Blog Talk Radio. Praise the Lord, and welcome to another episode of Blog Talk Radio and um, Purpose Kingdom Network. I am your host, Arthenius Colvin, with One Touch Transformation, and you are now listening to episode 1,785. I hope that you've had a wonderful Tuesday. I hope your day is off to, or your week, excuse me, is off to a great start. Um, you know, it, it's it's amazing how these these months are flying by already. It's hard to believe that we're in the last day and the last night of February and we're marching right into a new month. So just in case your your year hasn't started off too great or maybe you haven't, you know, been going in the, in the direction that you've been hoping to, well, guess what? We have another month to try again. So as long as you are trying, as long as you, put, you are putting in the effort, as long as you are progressing, that is all what matters because we're not going to get it over the night. Dreams don't happen overnight. You know, things don't, you know, it's in, in, in God's own time. But while we are waiting, we're going to continue to keep pushing, keep praying, and keep working. So, again, welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode. Again, I am Arthenius Colvin, and I'm with One Touch Transformation. And I want to welcome all of you who are listening by phone. If you're listening online, welcome to another episode, and I appreciate you tuning in. Just in case this is your first time hearing about One Touch Transformation, I want to tell you a little bit about it. So One Touch Transformation is a nonprofit organization geared towards um spreading awareness on sexual abuse. So we're all about sexual abuse prevention and awareness. So I started this nonprofit a little over nine years ago. Hard to believe that next year is going to be 10 years, so I'm I'm really, really excited about that. But um, I started the organization over um, a little over nine years ago uh, just simply off the story or off of my personal story of overcoming childhood sexual abuse. And so um, this year, and May, to be exact, marks 10 years that I first opened up or first broke my silence to my family for the first time that I was sexually abused as a child. Like, it was a, a secret uh, that I held on to for 20 years. And so I am really excited that this year marks you know, the 30th, I guess you could say, say the 30th anniversary, but, you know, it's been now 30 years. And so when I look back over the past 10 years of my life where I was and where I am now, where, you know, it, it's the grace of God that has kept me and the goodness of God that has allowed me to become who I am today and accomplish the things that I've been able to accomplish. And I'm, I just praise God for it. I mean, it's it's exciting it's exciting to think about where I came from, and it's also even more exciting to think about where I'm going because I know God is not through with me yet. Um, truly, he has been so good to me. When I think of all the things that I, I could have been involved in, the places where I could have been due to the, the trauma and due to the emotional and the, the, the mentality of where I could have been or even where I was, from those 20 years, you know, I could have lost my mind. Like, I really could have been, you know, somewhere where I did not even know where I was. But I am so grateful. I am so thankful, and I give God all praise because it was all him. It was nothing that I could have done. You know, I thank God for therapy. I thank God for the counselors because all of it played a huge part of my healing. But at the same time, I had to make that ultimate decision. I had to decide that I wanted to be healed, that I wanted deliverance. And I started OTT, or One Touch Transformation, in hopes that others will go after the same thing because there are 
so many people who at the time were suffering silently, and there are still some today who are still suffering silently, and I just want to be an encouragement and inspiration and motivation to others to let them know despite your past, despite what was done to you, despite the hurt, despite the pain, despite the trauma, that God can still deliver you, that God can still free you. And there's nothing like being free. There's nothing like living a, a life of freedom. And I can truly say that I have been living a, a better life. Um, some days are, you know, some days are still hard, but at the end of the day, I can say I am in a much better place than I was, you know, 20 years, well, 30 years ago, 20 years ago, 10 years ago. And I'm just so excited about life. I'm excited about my life. I'm excited about what God has done and what he is still doing. So with One Touch Transformation, I'm proudly to say that our mission is to educate the community sexual abuse while encouraging and empowering all victims and survivors. And that includes everywhere, whether it's in the church, whether it's just in the community and different organizations. I don't care where I am. I am not ashamed. I'm not afraid, no longer afraid and no longer ashamed to share my story of overcoming childhood sexual abuse. And I just want the same thing for all other victims and survivors. I want them to experience true freedom, true deliverance, so that you can live a life of abundance. Because it's difficult to live a life of abundance when you're still feeling chained to your past or, or feeling like you're, you're, you're captured by your past and just bound. And that's not the way God intended us to live. He said, I come that you might have life and have life more abundantly. That means he wants you to live a life of freedom. And so that's been the whole, you know, mission and objective of one touch transformation just getting getting the message out there making sure that not only victims and survivors understand that it is real but making sure that those who are connected to those survivors those who are connected to those victims understand the whole scope of things of how it does affect your life it affects those who are in your life and there are so many or there can be so many long-term effects that come along with it, especially if you do not seek help for it. So I encourage anyone that I talk to, whether it's a victim or survivor or those who are connected to them directly or indirectly, I encourage those to seek help. There's nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with seeking help. That's what they're here for. Counselors are here to help us. Um, excuse me, counselors are here to help us. Therapists, they're here to help us. And so utilize the resources that are in your area. If you're not able to find those resources in your area, you can always search online. You can always call the National Sexual Assault Hotline. And I'm going to give you that number now, and I'm going to give it to you at the end. As long as I remember, hopefully I can remember, because I always want everyone to know that resources are available, and we need to use them if we want to get the help. Pass the number along. Pass it on to someone that you may know or may not know who needs it because you never know who you may encounter. And even the ones that you do know, they don't always open up and let you know what's going on. So you may not even know that some of your friends and some of your family are suffering from the pain of the past. Some of the people that you go to church with are suffering from the pain of their past. And so that number is one 800 656 Again, 1-800-656-4673, and that is the National Sexual Assault Hotline. And do know that it is available. It is open 24 hours, so it doesn't matter the time, doesn't matter the day, when you call, someone will be there to um, help you or chat with you. And even if you don't want to call over the phone, you can talk with someone or chat with someone online. Even if you just type in sexual assault hotline and uh, when you Google it, it'll come up and it'll give you the option to call and it'll also give you the option to chat. Also, another resource that is great is RAIN, R-A-I-N-N, which is Rape Abuse Incest National Network. If you go to that website, rain.org, you'll be able to search for local rape crisis centers in your area because sometimes you may not know where to turn to. I don't know all of the locations, and um, so 
sometimes you may not be able to find all of them. But if you go to that website, you can put in your zip code, and it will let you know where the nearest crisis center is located. And so please, please, please use the resources. Do not be ashamed. There is no shame in asking for help. There is no shame in asking to, uh, you know, for help on your healing journey. It's going to take you making that decision to really want it. It's kind of one of those things like how bad do you want it? So how bad do you want to be healed? How bad do you want to experience true freedom? And if you want it bad enough, then, hey, go after it. Because I know what life is like for me after I made the decision to to walk in my healing. And I want the same thing for you. If you're listening to me and you've been a victim of sexual abuse, whether from childhood or even you know, as of lately or maybe currently, because you you just never know, I am here for you, and I am here to let you know that help is available. I want to be a voice for you, and I get it that you, you may not be ready to talk about it. You may not be ready to say anything, and that is okay. When you are ready, feel that you are ready to speak up, do so, because guess what? The power is already within you. You just have to find your voice. The enemy does not want you to speak up. The enemy wants you to think that your voice doesn't matter or that you even lost your voice. But your voice has not been lost. It is still deep within inside of you, and you just have to tap in and find, well, not find, well, find it within yourself because, like I said, it's already there. So you just need to, you know, be restored. You need to be healed, all of that. And guess what? God can, and he will do all of it. He will heal. He will deliver. He will set free. That's what kind of God we serve. He is amazing. He is awesome, and he continues to do so much for us, so, so much. And so it, it, we all have a part to play, whether you are affected directly or indirectly. We all have a part to play. We can be a voice. We can help. We can, you know, lend a helping hand just by directing victims and survivors in the right direction as a community, as a body of Christ. That's what we're here for. We're supposed to be good Samaritans. We're supposed to be sisters and brothers that are helping those who are hurt, even when it comes to those who are in the church. We've got to learn how to help and hold these people accountable because over the years as I've been talking and and um, giving workshops and just bringing awareness, especially in churches, hey, predators are walking in the churches too, and they are sitting in high places. They are holding positions. And guess what? We still have to hold them accountable. But we're not going to go there tonight, maybe in a couple more months as we uh, (laughs) get closer to Sexual Assault Awareness Month. But, um, again, that's my nonprofit organization, One Touch Transformation. Um, We're excited about what God has done and what he is doing because, I, like I said, I know God is not through. He's going to do some more things. He's going to, you know, make ways and continue to help others find their healing because that is, you know, my ultimate goal and the organization's ultimate goal. I mean, it's, it's ministry. It is all ministry. So, Let's move on and really dive into what I would like to share with you. So a few weeks ago, a few weeks ago, I was reading a very familiar story, parable, in the book of Luke. And I'll get there shortly, but before I get there, before I start talking about it, um, just in case, like if you hear something that that sounds really good or really interesting, or if you would like to comment, please feel free to jump on and make your comment. Um, You can call in at 319-527-6091. So for all our online listeners, that number is 319-527-6091. If you're already listening by phone, you know all you have to do is press the number one, and we will bring you right on. So. Let's get started. All right, so what I want you to do first, I want you to think about the word redeem, the word redeem. So whenever you think about the word redeem, some things may come to mind. I know I know. for me, some things that do come to mind are like coupons. You may see something that you can redeem this coupon at any store, whether it's a clothing store 
or whether it's a grocery store. Uh, most of us would probably like to use it for the grocery store now, you know, with inflation, how these eggs are like 4 5 $6 a carton now. <laughs> so uh, a coupon will come in handy right about now to be redeemed for some, some eggs. Um, but sometimes we may think about coupons when we're talking about redeeming. Also, those of you who know how to play the lottery, <laughs> Uh, quite frankly, I do not know how to play. Um, I'm, I'm going to learn one day. <laughs> I'm going to learn one day. But anywho, <laughs> uh, whenever we um, have a lottery ticket, it says you have 90 days to redeem your winning lottery ticket. So those of you, like I said, who know how to play and maybe you've had a winning ticket before, is usually we have a certain amount of days when you have to redeem that lottery ticket. Sometimes we may think of vouchers. Um, this voucher can be redeemed for a free meal at several local restaurants. So you might have a voucher for a particular restaurant whenever you're in the area. I know sometimes when you travel for business purposes with certain companies, they may give you a voucher that you can use at the restaurant that's located nearby or maybe located within the hotel. And lastly, another thing that comes to mind is when you're talking about the government will pay you interest when it redeems the bonds you bought. Um, that's if you're familiar with buying bonds or if you're into buying bonds. I don't hear so many people talk about that now. But talking about redeem. And so moving from redeem, I want to go to redemption. So after something has been redeemed, you have received or it has received redemption. And so the definition of redemption is the action of saving or being saved from sin, error, or evil. So this is kind of the, this is the spiritual definition. So we know redemption means the action of being of, of saving or being saved from something or an exchange. But when we're talking about the spiritual definition, it is the action of redeeming, um, of saving or being saved from sin, error, or evil. Um, also, an act of redeeming or, well, before I get that, it also means the action of regaining or gaining possession of something in exchange for payment or clearing a debt. So hopefully as I'm reading some of these definitions, it will draw you a little closer to the spiritual side of things and, and connect you with who we are talking about. So the action of regaining or gaining possession of something in exchange for payment or clearing a debt. Now, I don't know how many of you are in debt. Um, if you're like me and you attended college, then you're definitely in some student loan debt and still waiting for them to be forgiven. Um, I, I Look, I did apply for that forgiveness loan. I'm just waiting for the word, waiting for the email or the letter that come in the mail that said that, hey, they've been forgiven. Um, and lastly, an act of redeeming or atoning for a fault or mistake or the state of being redeemed, deliverance, rescued. Going to read that again. An act of redeeming or atoning for a fault or mistake or the state of being redeemed, deliverance, rescued. So the word deliverance or delivered and rescued can all be associated with the word redeemed. When something or someone is redeemed, they are essentially delivered. They are rescued. All right, so there are a few parables that are spoken on in the book of Luke and the ch in chapter 15. And so first we have the lost sheep, we have the lost coin, and then the lost son. So the three stories, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. Now many a times whenever we're talking about the lost son, we kind of overlook the lost sheep and the lost coin, but they are all connected 
with each other. They all deal with something being lost. And so we're going to go through those three stories, starting with the lost sheep, then we're going to move to the lost coin, and then end with the lost son. All right, let's start off with Luke chapter 15 and verses 1 through, you know, and I'll, I'll let you know where we start and then pause and stop, pause and stop. <laughs> All right, so the parable of the lost sheep. And so the, the, the great thing about um, Jesus when he walked the earth is one way of getting his messages across and making sure that people understood the whole message, he would tell it in a way that everyone will be able to understand. And so we have these parables, and I like how he started with something um, such as a sheep and coin, and then lastly with a human so that we all will be able to relate on some level. All right, so Luke chapter 15, verse 1, and I'm reading from the NIV. It says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. What do you know? He was around sinners, okay? And and sometimes I think we kind of forget that Jesus wasn't always around believers. He wasn't always with the saved folk. He wasn't always at church. He wasn't always with the kingdom-minded people or the kingdom builders. But, no, it says he was around tax collectors and sinners. And they were all gathering around to hear Jesus. So they were interested, too. These sinners wanted to know what Jesus had to say because, look, we keep hearing about this Jesus, hearing about these miracles that he's performing and, and all of these stories that he's telling. So we want to know what it's all about. We want to know what he has to say. All right, but it says, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered. Here they go. These old Pharisees are always talking the Pharisees and the teachers of the law mother, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So they had a problem. They had a problem with Jesus hanging out with the sinners. Look, this is Jesus, son of man. Now we know that he can talk to, hang out with whomever he pleases. But these Pharisees, they had a problem seeing Jesus keeping company with sinners. But these sinners wanted to hear what Jesus had to say. Like, why complain about Jesus being around these sinners when these sinners are coming to hear what Jesus has to say? See, that's the problem there. You're worried about the wrong thing. <laughs> worried about the wrong thing. And the third verse says, then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you, that. In the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. That right there alone explains why Jesus hung out with sinners. Right there. He, clear as day, he said, look, I'm rejoicing over one sinner, and here he's among, you know, many sinners. But he's saying, I'm going to rejoice over just one sinner that repents versus you who don't need to repent or maybe some feel like they don't need to repent or think you think you got it going on, thinking you good and saved and you perfect and right, self-righteous. Okay. Jesus is like, I'm not pleased by that. I'm not turned on by that. But I can appreciate, I can rejoice with one sinner who is able to turn his life around, who is able to repent. And so that's why Jesus hung out with sinners. He wanted them to to follow him. It's not so much that he was hanging out with sinners to behave like them or to act like him or do like them. No, 
that was not the whole point of him hanging out with sinners. He hung out with sinners so that he can, you know, first demonstrate his love toward them. Because remember, he had no respect of person. So he is hanging out with whomever he pleases. And at this point, he is choosing to hang out with sinners. And this is the message that he is giving just in this first parable. So talks about the shepherd. He has 100 sheep. If one wanders off and get lost, that shepherd, a good shepherd that is, is going to go look for that one sheep and come back and bring it back with the rest of the 99. And it doesn't even stop right there. So not only does he rescue the sheep, not only does he deliver the sheep, not only is that sheep redeemed and brought back with the rest of the, the 99, but Jesus said he calls his friends so that they can rejoice that they have found this lost sheep. Look, I, I want you to celebrate with me. Come celebrate with me because this sheep was once lost, but now I've found this sheep, and now he can be back with the rest of us, and we can rejoice about it. I'm celebrating that. And that's just over one sheep compared to 99, just like you said, with one sinner compared to others, many others that don't need to repent. All right, next we have the parable of the lost coin, parable of the lost coin. Now, I'll tell you, when I first read this story, um, and, of course, this wasn't my first, a few weeks ago, it wasn't my first time reading the story, but I will say it's the first time I actually just kind of paid attention and looked at it thoroughly. But reading this parable, it almost seems, you know, I won't say comical, but it it's amazing how things that, that may appear to be so small or when we're looking at thinking about a coin, um, we may not take it as, as serious. But I, I get the gist of the story and I get why Jesus shared it the same way he shared about the sheep. But if we were to really look at it just as it was, like literally, it would seem a little comical, like, really? You're doing all that for a coin? But, yeah, all of that for a coin, all of that for one lost sheep, all of that for one lost sinner. All right, so let's read Parable of the Lost Coin. So we're still in Luke 15, and we're now at verse 8. So we're talking about redemption, being redeemed, and how Jesus wants to have a passion for sinners and like when you think about it he has a passion to save these sinners and so again we're reading about these parables and how he is surrounded by sinners very eighth verse says or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one doesn't she light a lamp sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it and when she finds it she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So, again, we have one coin. Started off with ten silver coins. Now, I don't know how much it is worth in this particular passage or in this time, but she has ten silver coins loses one, and she does all she can to look for that lost one. And it says when she finds it, again, she calls for her friends to help her celebrate, the same way the shepherd called for his friends to help him celebrate him finding the lost sheep. And so now that this lost coin has been found, she's celebrating. It didn't stop there after she found it, but again, she calls for her friends so that they can all celebrate. And, and again, Jesus lets us know this is how I feel. This is how I feel when there is just one sinner who repents. And I feel like Jesus repeated this so that these sinners who are surrounded and who are listening, so they can get the message like, look, I'm rejoicing over just one. I know that there are several sinners that are surrounded, but if I can just get one, all it takes is one. If I can just reach one sinner, I'm going to rejoice. It is worth rejoicing over just one sinner. 
And when we think about what we do in ministry, whether it's in your local community, whether it's on a national level, a, a global level, when we just really think about what we do in ministry, if we can just get one Every time we open our mouth to speak, every time we open our mouth to, to sing, every time we, you know, get on that platform to do whatever it is God has, has allowed you to do or has purposed you to do, if you can just get one, guess what? Heaven rejoices. He, he is rejoicing for, for that found coin and for the, the found sheep. Jesus is rejoicing. And we, too, can rejoice. It's not all, always about numbers. Sometimes we get so caught up, and sometimes the things that we do is influenced by numbers, but we cannot allow numbers to influence us. All we need is just one, and God is pleased. He is pleased. All we need is just one, and, he, and he'll rejoice. And, and we don't have to rejoice alone. We can rejoice with our friends, rejoice with our family, rejoice with our sisters and brothers. Why? Because we have won one over. God has done it again, and I can rejoice because I know heaven is rejoicing over that one who has decided to turn his life to Christ, uh, rejoicing over that one who has decided to live again, who has decided to turn back. Because sometimes there are those who who just turn around. But when God redeems, when he rescues, when he delivers, they can turn back around and and begin to follow Christ again. The the lost sheep, the, the lost coin. And now, as we come to the last parable, we have the lost son. Very, very familiar parable the lost son. And there are so many messages that we can get out of, you know, these three stories and definitely some messages we can get out of the lost son. You know, I've heard several and I'm sure you've probably heard several, but, you know, I'm just going to give it to you plain and simple. <laughs> I'm going to give it to you plain and simple. I, I no fancy way of telling the story. Um, I'm sorry, but just going to give it to you plain and simple. The same way Jesus gave it to the sinners. I'm just going to give it to you the same way and put my own little spin on it, you know. <laughs> so we got the parable of the lost son, and still in Luke chapter 15, verse 11. Jesus continued, so third story. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. Mm. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. So I want to pause there. Now notice in the first two parables, you know, they were objects or items, not humans or, um, you know, anyone such as a, a son or a daughter or just a person in general, but they were objects. And because they were objects, the owners, um, the lady and the shepherd, 
well, the sheep wasn't an object, but an animal, sorry. So there were an animal and an object. And so because they were not human, of course, we know a, a sheep doesn't repent, and, of course, the coin doesn't repent, but it was the owners, the shepherd and the woman, who had to go and look. They had to go look for the items that were lost or the sheep that was lost and the coin that was lost. Even though he had 99 sheep and he was still worried about the one. She had 10 coins, but she was still worried about that one. I mean, I don't like losing money either. <laughs> like, I get upset if I lose $5, so I understand. I'm going to look for it. If I know I lost it in the area that I'm in, and there's a possibility, like a strong possibility that it's still there, I'm going to look for it as well. <laughs> I don't like losing money. And so the shepherd went back and looked for the sheep and found it. The woman, she, she turned on the light, used the light to flash so that she can see better to look for the lost coin. When the shepherd found the sheep, he was excited and wanted to share that experience. When the woman found the coin, she was excited and wanted to share that excitement with her friends. Here we have the son who requested for his share of the estate. He wanted his piece of, of, of the money. You know, look, I want my piece. I'm ready to go. Let me go experience life. Let me go out exploring. So we have this son who goes out on his own. He wasn't forced out. He wasn't kicked out. He wanted to go out on his own. The father didn't exchange words. He was like, okay, gave him his portion and allowed him to go out freely. And, you know, when we think about God, he's the same way. God doesn't force anything on us. God doesn't make us do anything. God still gives us free will. He has a plan for us. He knows his will for us. He knows the plans that he has for our life and, and his will, and he knows when we're not operating in his will. And trust me, we where we're not operating in his will. We know when we step outside of the plan or out of the will of God, but still God gives us free choice. He doesn't force us to do anything. He doesn't make us do anything, but he allows us to make those decisions. Now, I'm not saying that it works out every time, I'm not saying that you're always going to be able to make them freely because there's going to come a time whenever you make that decision, you're going to have to suffer the consequences for the decisions that you make. And see, we, we have the son here who had to suffer the consequences for going out, just being so eager to get out of his father's house, and we find him at the lowest point of his life. He's with the pigs. You came from this this great household, wonderful, lavish household, didn't have to want for anything, but you were so eager to just go ahead and leave the nest and get out and just experience life for yourself. Your father didn't try to hold you back. Your father didn't, didn't force you to stay. He didn't kick you out, but he allowed you to make that free choice. He allowed you to, you know, hey, that's what you want to do. Here you go. Not going to argue with you, but this is what you want. Hey, go out and do you. <laughs> Like they say today, hey, do you. But he had to learn the hard way. It wasn't so easy out there. It wasn't what it was all <laughs> he thought it was going to be. And so now he finds himself in this low place, down with the pigs. He can't even feed himself. Like he doesn't have money to, to you know, the money that he did have, it's gone. It's no longer there. And so now he has no way of feeding himself. And so now he has to get down with the pigs. That's, that's something to think about. You go from having a life where you don't have to worry about anything, don't have to worry about food, don't have to worry about clothes, don't have to worry about shelter, and to go from there to a place of loneliness where you don't even know how you're going to eat, and so now you're eating with the pigs. But he... He had a a, a real-life moment. He came to realization, and that's when he began to say, mm, this is not it. 
<laughs> this is not the life that God intended me to have, or this is not the life my father intended me to have. So it's like, look, back at home, my father had servants, and you mean to tell me I'm down here with the pigs? Like, what am I doing? And so he goes down to his knees, and, they, and he begins to repent because he realizes, like, this is not me. This is not the life I'm supposed to be living. And he repents, and that's when he makes his decision, like, look, i got to go back home, and I'm going to let my father know that, no, I, I messed up. I'm not even worthy enough to be your son. And so he gets up, and he heads back home. And what is so exciting about the story and what should get us excited, because when we turn back to God, God is so excited about that. And that father demonstrates it. And in that 20th verse, it says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they begin to celebrate the same way the shepherd celebrated with his friends, the same way the woman celebrated with, with her friends. The father, he wanted to celebrate with his servants and with everyone who was around because his son has now been found. His son was once dead or was once lost, but now he has turned his life around. He has repented, and now he is home again, and, and he received them with love. He received them with grace. He received them with celebration and wanted to still give him the best. Even though you sinned against the Father, even though you sinned against me, I'll give you my best. So Jesus, he still wanted, he wanted to give the sinners the best. Those who surrounded to hear these stories, he's letting you know, like, I know you messed up, but guess what? I still want to give you my best. The father gave him the best robe. He went and got the fattest cow so that they could just eat and celebrate. And in the 25th verse, it says, Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing, so he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in, and this is how some of us do, and this is what the Pharisees were doing that was surrounding Jesus. They feel in some type of way, you know, because now Jesus is trying to show his love towards these sinners. He's hanging out with these sinners. Like, why? What's going on? And so now they're in their feelings. And see, and now we have the older son who was in his feelings trying to figure out why is daddy doing this? But he answered his father. Well, the older brother became angry and refused to go in, so his father went out and pleaded with him, like, come on, there is no need to be angry. Let's celebrate. And 29th verse, it says, but he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, you, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and it's found. So it's like, come on, come on, son. You've been with me this whole time. Everything I have is yours. This land, the property, the clothes, the food. Everything that I have is yours, and yes, you have been with me. But why not take this time, this moment to celebrate your brother who was once dead, who was once lost, but now he's back home. He's been given another chance. So that is something to celebrate. And this is the same way Jesus was with the sinners that walked with him, that came to listen to him. You have these self-righteous people, these self-righteous Pharisees who feel like the sinners don't deserve the love of God, but they do. And even to this day, 
sinners still deserve the love of God. And guess what? They still get it. No matter what you've done, no matter who you are, deserve the love of God. You are still special in God's eyes. Don't ever allow anyone or anything try to convince you that you are still not a child of God. So often we get so caught up in how long we've been walking this 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 life, this journey, or how long we've been saved, or how long we've been, you know, just right. But none of that matters. None of that matters. The, the thing that matters to Jesus the most is when a sinner decides to turn his or her life around and repent and heaven. So not only does, you know, God rejoices in his son, but the angels, it's in heaven. That means everyone, the angels, they rejoice over just one sinner that repents. He said, I'd rather have that versus these self-righteous people, these Pharisees who feel like they don't need to repent, who feel like they've already made it or they've already arrived or they already got a sure foot in, you know, because you have that. You have believers, those who go to church, those who proclaim to be Christian, those who, who claim to be saved. You have those who feel like, hey, I'm good. But Jesus loves everyone, sinners and all, and he still hears, you know, a sinner's prayer. And so tonight, 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 make it count. Understand, and hear me clearly, understand with sinner or saint, sinner or saint, Jesus, he loves you. He loves you so much, and he cares about you, that no matter how many times we fall, how many times we make mistakes, and no matter if you are a sinner, he still wants to give you his best, although we may not feel like we're worthy of it but he feels like we are. And so if you have not given your life over to God and if you have not repented and if you've not, you know, turned your life around, tonight can be the night you change that. Heaven is waiting to rejoice. God is waiting to rejoice and he's waiting to give you his best. And so if you are ready to receive the best, receive his best and receive his love, I want you to pray with me. I want you to get ready to receive the love of God, to be redeemed, to be delivered, to be rescued. We have redemption in Christ. And so those of you who are receiving God tonight, turning your life around, repenting, pray this prayer with me. To God, I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. I repent of all my transgressions. I repent of all my wrongdoings. God, I believe that you did send your son and that he died. And he rose the third day so that we may receive remission of our sins. God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your redemption. I believe it. And I receive your love, and I receive your Holy Spirit. And now I would like to just pray for everyone who may be listening under the sound of my voice. God, we thank you for those who gave their life over to you, who has received your love, who has received your your uh, redemption, and received your Holy Spirit. And, Father, I pray for those who are listening. I pray for those who need to be strengthened on their walk. Lord, I pray that you continue to strengthen us all from day to day. Lord, I ask for your covering. Keep your blood covering us. 
everywhere we go, whether we're traveling, across the highways, going to work. God, continue to cover our children, those that are in school. God, continue to cover them while they're there. God, we understand that so much is happening, but, God, we know that you are still able and that you're still sovereign, that you're, you're still in control. And so, God, we pray that you continue to watch over us. God, we ask you to bless those. Who are who are listening even right now and bless their families, those who need a need, who who need something from you tonight. God, I ask that you meet every need. And Father, I pray for those who are in office and those that are in authority, the decisions that they make. God, I pray that you direct them, because Father, we know that everything that they say, everything that they do, it affects your people. And so, God, we we put it all in your hands. God, we pray for those who are sick, those that are in the hospitals find to their home. God, I ask you to send your healing power because you declared in your word that with your stripes we are healed. And so tonight I speak healing. God, tonight I speak deliverance. God, tonight I speak um, redemption. God, I, I speak everything, and I, and I pray that you be everything that your people need. God, we I pray for Purpose Kingdom Network and the entire staff uh, and all of the speakers. God, continue to bless us and direct us so that whenever we share your word, when we share your encouragement, that someone will be touched, that someone's life will be changed. God, we thank you just for who you are. Thank you for your many blessings. God, continue to keep us. God, continue to watch over us. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. And most of all, we thank you for your love because it doesn't change. Your love remains the same, and we are so grateful. Father, we'll forever give your name the glory. We'll give your name all of the honor and all the praise. And it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. All right, so right now we're going to turn it over to Brother Rob, and he's going to give us our announcements for Purpose Kingdom Network. All right, all right, no problem. This is the Purpose Kingdom Network. I'd like to thank each and every one of you for joining us for tonight's episode. No matter where in the world you're listening to us, whether you're listening to us online or you're listening to us via phone, we greatly appreciate your listenership and your support for uh, us here at Purpose Kingdom Network. We also greatly appreciate those that share with your friends and family members, letting them know that Purpose Kingdom Network is on the air. Anytime we do a live broadcast, we're broadcasting live on www.blogtalkradio.com backslash Purpose Kingdom. And when we do a live show, we have a call-in number, which is 319-527-6091. And you can press the number one anytime you want to speak to any one of our hosts. We invite you to like us on our Facebook page, which is at Purpose Kingdom at Facebook. We can see our upcoming shows and advertisements. And from time to time, we do make major announcements on this uh, social media pages as well as others, uh, like on Instagram and Twitter, which is under – we're under uh, Purpose underscore Kingdom. And – from there, you can do likewise. Uh, we also invite you to like us uh, to listen to our radio network, which is pkn.com, where you can listen to 24 hours of music of inspiration. And we do also uh, broadcast at radioco.com under Purpose Kingdom. Uh, please check it out. Also, if you want to correspond with us via email, you can correspond with us at purposekingdomnet at gmail.com, where you can send your comments, questions, concerns, you simply say hello or send a praise re- uh, request. We gladly honor that. And uh, if you're in need of a Bible, just leave the contact information there, and we will uh, see about getting you a Bible. Okay, and uh, tomorrow evening at the 9 p.m. hour, with God's one God's blessing, we will be going into our archives, and we'll be having an archive show tomorrow at the 9 p.m. hour. So once again, with God's one God's blessing, we'll be joining us tomorrow evening at the 9 p.m. hour for another episode of Purpose Kingdom Network, um, and we'll be going into our archives, and we will be um, producing another show. Okay, with that being said, that's going to be the end of the announcements, and we're going to uh, hand the show back over to Minister Arthenius. All right, thank you for those announcements, Brother Rob. So I just want to leave, you know, a few words of encouragement for – um, you know, just to follow up for the the, the following days, something that I kind of carry you on through the rest of the week. So I, I, most importantly, what I want everyone to know is we cannot allow, you know, people in general, but not just people. And, and some, it, it, it's sad to say, and sometimes I hate to say it, but we can't allow these self-righteous church people to tell you how your relationship is supposed to be 
with God. Um, the relationship that you have with God is between, you know, you and God, and no one no one knows how your relationship is but God. And so I'm encouraged, and I want you to be encouraged, that there is nothing that you can do or nothing that you have done that will stop God from loving you. Jesus demonstrated it in the Bible several times of how he associated himself, you know, with sinners himself. Jesus did not care. Jesus was just about his father's business, and that's all we need to do, or that's all we need to be is just about our father's business. It is not up to us as believers to um, dictate anyone's relationship with God or tell them how their spiritual life should look or how it should be. It is not up to us. Let God do the work. All we have to do is do our part. And we do our part by, of course, showing God's love, being love, letting our light shine, demonstrating what love really is. We cannot go around, like I said, dictating people's relationship and their their spiritual life. We can't go around telling them how to love God or telling them what's the right way or the wrong way. But all we have to do is do our part. We're all ambassadors, yes. As believers, we are all ambassadors. And what we do is represent, not control. We just represent, represent the love of God. And people will see your fruit. They will see your works and be able to determine whether you are of God. So it's not so much that we have to do. Like I said, all we have to do is represent and be a light. We don't have to walk around carrying our Bibles by our sides. We don't have to walk around holding up a sign saying, I'm a believer, I'm a follower of Jesus. But they will know you by the fruit that you bear, the words that you say, your deeds, how you treat people. And if Jesus sat with sinners, if Jesus loved sinners, then we have to do the same thing. He was the example while he walked this earth, showing us how we're supposed to love one another, how we're supposed to treat one another, despite their beliefs, despite what they look like. Will it be easy? Not all the time. But with God, all things are possible. So that means that you can do it. If Jesus did it, we can do it too. (laughs) Remember the the bracelets or the whole um, acronym WWJD? What would Jesus do? Jesus would celebrate. When he sees that a sinner has turned his or her life around, Jesus would celebrate. And not just by himself. I love how Jesus, he's got a whole party going on. (laughs) He's got a whole party going on. So we have to be the same way. We got to get excited when someone turns their life over. We have to get excited when a sinner repents. We have to get excited when someone gets back up, when they have fallen. Remember, a just man is going to fall seven times. So even when the just and when the righteous, when they fall, and they, and they get back up, that's still something to celebrate. You are worth celebrating. Whatever your past looks like, whatever how bad of a sinner you were, you are still worth celebrating, and you are still deserving of God's best. I don't care what anyone tells you. Just because you have an ugly past, just because you have a um, a dark past, guess what? You are still worthy of God's best, and that's the greatest thing that you can understand and, and take away from take that away from tonight. I want you to walk away knowing that despite who you are, what you've done, you are still deserving of God's best. So don't let anyone shortchange you or feel like you have to be shortchanged or feel like you just deserve secondhand, but no, you are deserving of God's best. I want you to know it. I want you to believe it, and I want you to live it. All right, so be encouraged. Be encouraged knowing that you are 
still deserving of God's best. I want to thank each of you for tuning in tonight, those of you who listen online, those of you who called in. Thank you for tuning in. I pray that you have a wonderful rest of the night, and I pray that you have a wonderful rest of the week. May God continue to bless you. May God continue to love you, and may God continue to give you his best. So, again, this has been Arsenius Colvin with One Touch Transformation, and I hope that, like I said, you have a wonderful night. Be encouraged. Like, seriously, be encouraged. Don't let anyone and don't let anything break your motivation or, or break what God um, how God feels about you. Don't, don't let anyone tell you anything different. Don't let anyone tell you any different of how God feels about you. Your relationship with him is between the two of you. So forget all these self-righteous people, the people who feel like they've already made it in, the people that feel like they got it all, you know, all together. And there's another scripture that says that the righteous will, you know, scarcely make it because of dumb stuff like that, like what the Pharisees were doing. So, again, be encouraged. You are deserving of being given the best. You're deserving of the best, of God's best. All right, that's going to do it for tonight. Um, I love you all. And like I said, I pray that you all have a wonderful night, wonderful week, and just continue to be blessed and remember that God loves you even more. All right, have a good night. Jesus bless. He raised me, I will not lose. He saved me, I will not lose. Set me free, I will not lose. Never wanna see me down, I will not lose.